Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 159, and we're talking about chapters 33 through 37 of Yumi and the Nightmare Painter. Next week, we will be finishing the book. The week after that, we'll be talking about the whole book. This week, I don't know what we're going to talk about because there's too much to talk about. Elliot, how are you? Confused. So confused. I there's so much in this episode to talk about, but we, we mentioned this a little bit often on last episode. I feel like we're this has happened in other books too. I feel like we're missing that key bit of information. We've been given 90% of it. Here's the mind-blowing reveal. Oh, wait, it's not what you thought it was. But it still doesn't make sense. It still doesn't actually create a cohesive picture in my mind. Of what's going on here i'm hoping we're just like one chapter away from that Boyd sits us down and explains what the heck is going on here i've never experienced this type of reveal that you've experienced quite often that you're talking about i i've never sat down middle of the avalanche sanderlanche that we talk about and not been able to read the end of it i've never done this so it's it's really strange for me to put down the book at the end of chapter 37 and come <laughs> talk to you guys about it. So, Paul, how are you? I'm doing great. I just dropped my, my, my light just fell off of my computer thing. So I'm trying to fix that currently. Um, aside from that, I'm absolutely fantastic. Excited to talk about some crazy stuff, like really getting in deep to sleepless and all the things. Sleepless? So, who so called I it? wasn't expecting that. Me? Yeah. I called it. Not the way I thought Part it would happen, true. but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I, I, I shot for the 100-yard shot and almost hit the target. Not quite, but I almost hit it. But let's roll intro so we can start dissecting this episode. All right, that's enough intro. I have to say, Trevor, I'm. I apologize. I doubted your sleepless prediction. I believe. Me too. I don't. Well, I don't remember if I said anything specific whenever we talked about it on air. But no matter what I said, I knew in my head I was doubting your your sleepless prediction. And to to be fair, my sleepless prediction was wrong, or at least has yet to be proven right. But the the fact that a sleepless shows up. When I brought up the fact that, you know, Sleepless could be here, I thought they were the spirits. Apparently they, no, they're just hiding on Nicaro's side of the shroud. Um, man, I, it's it's so odd to me that Masaka, who's said, what, five five lines in the whole book up until this point, has been deliberately like, ambiguous or whatever and the fact that nicaro acknowledges the irony yes. here and says yumi the fact that masaka is an alien is the first thing that has happened to me in the last month that makes sense so i i can appreciate <laughs> that masaka is an alien and be, because in in the previous episode he now he has been confirmed to him that there are aliens that there was the there was a touchdown by his planet and so now 
the reveal that Mosca is a sleepless for us. That's like, Whoa. And then for Nicaro, he's like, okay, that makes sense. So I just, I just thought that was pretty funny. And the fact that all the little funny, creepy things that she says are like weirding out all of her friends in a kind of slightly adorable way. And then for painter to just finally have that moment where he's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's just, I laughed out loud at that moment. It was great. So, and also design knew about it. So design and Masika have this conversation in chapter 33 that Masika has sent out all of her little sleepless, crumbling scuttle scout creatures and mapped the planet or at least half the planet. Um, because the other half, there's big walls that you can't walk through. It's solid investiture. Investiture is so dense that it's a solid. And that would imply that, it, I mean, it's still investiture. That would imply that you can still repel it with rock stacking. So my my quick prediction you know, at, we'll get to predictions at the end of the episode. But my quick prediction is uh, Nicaro is going to stack his way to Yumi and save her, uh, save the day. But um, we'll, we'll save, we'll save talks like that till the end of the episode. Trevor, I have to say, I think that's a really good prediction. And I just can't help but laugh at it. <laughs> we're like, I think how the guy is going to save the girl here, not necessarily save, but, but reunite himself with the girl is by breaking through a wall of solid investiture. Which I can't, have we seen another solid investiture anywhere? At least me and Elliot, I don't think we have. Um, not that I, I can think I'm of. Highly, I, I have one Mistborn book under my belt, but I'm highly suspicious that there's solid investiture going on there with our, our medals and things that we've seen. Okay. That but... makes that makes sense. That makes sense. What I'm thinking through with this is more so like, which that could still be true in the case of Mistborn, but this is like, there is investiture on this planet and here we are seeing it. So like densely packed that it's like a solid kind of like, yeah, Trevor was mentioning, which is just crazy. And then but for, for the solution to be, all right, hold on. Let me stack some rocks and then it'll, you know, move out of the way, potentially. We don't know that that's what will happen, but it's absolutely crazy. That's just such a such an interesting thing to 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 say, like, oh, imagine telling a friend, right? I read this awesome book. Like It was <laughs> it was incredible. This incredible fantasy book. And like the climax. Did he slay the dragon? Rocks. Yeah. Nope, he stacked some rocks and made it through a wall. Like, um, what? Yeah, yeah. Just, I think it's absolutely hilarious, and I also think it's just so, um, cool. It's cool. It's unique, and it's very telling. I feel like of Brandon Sanderson friends that we read this, and we're not looking for a dragon or anything. We're like, wow, the implications that that this art like has. What does that show us about? what was the what was the short's name? Virtuosity. In, virtuosity. Um. Anyways, all, all this stuff I think is hilarious. Uh, when when you kind of zoom out a bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
So I'm thinking back to the beginning of this book and how much thought we, or at least I, put into planetary mechanics and the angle of the sun and black <laughs> holes and all of this trying to figure out how in the world these two planets could be in the same solar system and be so different and all of that. And apparently, based on what we just learned from our sleepless friend, is that it's all the same planet. It's all happening on the same planet. And they and we're supposed to believe that Yumi's world, where the sun is shining and the, the ground is hot and trees fly, is just on the other side of that wall over there. It's it's crazy to, to to think of that as the answer to what we were considering before. It, not even in the same ballpark, not even in the the same thought train. Completely different, Elliot. I think it's really funny that two episodes ago you went off on a tangent about it's all a conspiracy, and oh yes, the. Uh, they're just keeping you for your investiture. They're sucking it out of you. Wake up, you know, wake up sheeple, that type of thing. And I mean, at least half of this, you're correct. Like I, there's, there's this entire world right on the outside of um, the city. And you just got to realize it's there, you know, like I, I thought it's really funny that, and, and then, what we might get into a little bit later, but Leon, who, by the way, is the nightmare. Yeah, what? That, that <laughs> me for a loop. We'll come back to that. But, but, like, she 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 says that they come. She comes to, or the nightmares come to the city to find themselves, or something like that. And I was like. What? Like, do, okay, so are the nightmares people that come to the city to try to escape the machine? Like, like, I mean, we haven't talked about half of what's in this episode yet, and these are end of episode questions. But I gotta, I just gotta get this out there. Like, would that imply that all of these nightmares are people, or what is, or are the nightmares? Not people. That is so fair. let me let, let's talk a little bit about one of the the scenes that we get because I think it's going to give us our our clues that we need to try and decipher this. Although I still think there's more clues yet to come. In the the big scene, that's kind of the 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 moment where they try to they 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 gather up the village torches and pitchforks. They're going to go smash the machine. Yeah, and everything like starts to dissolve. Literally, Painter. They know who Painter is. They know what's going on. They say some really weird things that we're going to try and dissect here in a little bit. But then all of the people around Painter start turning into nightmares. Liyun turns into a nightmare. Yumi turns into a nightmare. Some of the scholars turn into nightmares. I think all of them do, and so. What are the nightmares? I don't know. 
but I think all of these people out in this place that are not in Painter's Town either are the nightmares or become nightmares at certain times. Yeah. So, but but the the caveat to me is some of these nightmares are self-aware and some of them are not. So that the scholars, at least it's portrayed to us, are know what's going on and are helping the machine manipulate whatever's going on. And then there's people like mm-hmm. Yumi or Leun. Well, we'll get back to Leun in a second. There's people like Yumi who have no idea what's going on. And apparently they are solid investiture. They just don't know it and are living in their little matrix town. Right? But then, I don't know. But but then there's Leun, who for 12 hours of the day, she's with Yumi, making sure she's a good Yokihijo. And then at night, she goes and stalks the city for a nightmare? Like, Okay, I, I have a big idea, like a really big idea. Like, it's probably going to be cut off, but if it does actually tie pieces together, then it'd be absolutely crazy. So, okay, so uh, going back in our book, back to part one, part two, Yumi is a Yokihijo, and she draws these spirits out, right? And these spirits are vital for people's survival. Is that right? For for the for for her people, it quote right. saves lives, right? Mm-hmm. Do we know what the spirits are used for exactly on her planet? Like when they draw these spirits, how does that save her people? What what are they used for? Do y'all remember? It's a genuine question because I don't remember. The, so so the the answer they give Yumi is they're used for agriculture and heat and light and like you can have. You can you can ask it, hey, can you become a light bulb? It'll split itself into light bulb and dark bulb. Dark bulb just kind of hangs out, and light bulb, uh, like, lights your house. So that's at least the explanation that Yumi is given and that we're given of I'm summoning these spirits to help the villagers live their lives, of help the trees fly in the sky and get the water they need and stuff like that. Yeah. And and that that sounds right. That's what that's what I've perceived, right? That's what I've understood. That my thought is, my ridiculous theory right now is something is drawing people from. I still don't understand how our two characters' different places are connected. I don't understand if Yumi's quote planet. I don't think it's a separate planet, but if if her area is like hidden in the shroud somewhere, I don't know the relationship that there is as far as location. That doesn't matter too much. What if the nightmares that we see on Painter's Planet, the, the basic nightmares, the, the like dumb nightmares that don't really have any serious cognition, what if those are the spirits that Yumi is drawing? And they're actually being used as sort of like a sacrifice, if that makes sense, that they're being like sent as these nightmares, and that's why they're not conscious. And maybe that is saving people because if there's no spirits to be given, then they end up, the people end up being turned into nightmares or something. That sounds ridiculous. It's probably not true. Like, it's not a legitimate prediction right now. But there's some. 
obviously these people can become nightmares to painters planet and place somehow some way which i don't really understand um that would also in my head it connects a lot of dots of why the you know we've seen reasons why the spirits say they want to be freed and they specifically ask to stop the machine itself um so i wouldn't think that it's something else so that that's a bit of a stretch but i have no other idea as to why some of the nightmares are conscious like like there's a person in there and some seem to not be that i really don't know i i had some similar but but different thoughts I'm I'm wondering after what we just saw if all of the beings in Yumi's world in quotes are all cognitive shadows if they are all dead they are all people who died in whatever cataclysmic event created the shroud and maybe also shattered virtuosity but that there was so much investiture everywhere in all these people all around them in the cloud they die in the midst of a cloud of investiture all of that created lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of strong cognitive shadows and what we're seeing on yumi's world is like trevor has in the notes the matrix it's not real it is this communal hallucination if you will or perception a kind of joint we all think we're in this world therefore that's what it looks like yeah and when these beings leave that and go outside of the shroud they become the nightmares that painters familiar with which are essentially cognitive shadows or at least they start that way but that they can grow more physical and real as they consume investiture for whatever reason that's the thought train that i'm going down at this point yeah i'm with you I'm I with the one caveat of maybe they didn't die on that day that Virtu- virtuosity splintered herself but maybe they just continued on with their lives and you know that was 1700 years ago um mm-hmm. and now all that's left is their their souls and so as they yeah this this day that Yumi relives over and over um because in chapter what 35 we get a word for word re re redo of chapter two yes i i'm waking up here's leon the festival is 100 days away can't wait i should ask her no i shouldn't ask her and the only deviation we get is she goes to her ritual bath and it's like Somebody should be here with me. 
no, that's silly. And then she just keeps going. So she she's n- now back to what she was in chapter two, and it's the same day that there's there's no time perception forward. So yes, Elliot, I think what, what you're saying is correct that they are locked on the day after virtuosity splintered herself. They all that their souls are locked on that day in their lives where they were. Yep. Um, and the world looks like this because it, because we perceive it that way. It always has looked that way. Um, and so the investiture around us creates that we've seen that before. So yes, I, I a hundred percent agree with you, Elliot, but then it also begs the question, why does stacking affect it? Yeah. What is up yep. with the stacking? Like, and it's still the, the other major question here is what role is the machine playing yeah. in all of this? Yep. We, we seem to get some hints. So, so memory, memory deletion is an important part of this, especially for Yumi, more also for others, I think. Li Yun is clearly battling, I think, against memory loss in some of these scenes. And I'm wondering if that's the purpose of the machine. If not the whole purpose, at least part of it, is they're using the machine to edit memories so that they can keep all of these souls in this state. Why? I have no idea. And I wonder if it's world hopper shows up and the only way i know how to save these people that are dying is tie them to the perception that uh, of their lives so that they can continue on and that that's that's all i know so that's what he does pulls this or she or whoever pulls this machine and says and it and it helps them maintain their reality quote unquote unquote and it and it kind of like binds them in a limbo state until i can figure out actually how to help them maybe i noticed that the the lead scholar is still unnamed yes they they intentionally mention that every time they see the lead scholar it, it's like and the lead scholar, who Painter still hadn't caught his name, spoke up, you know, so-and-so. I, I'm getting very suspicious that this, this could be a person we might recognize. That we might know who this person is. And yes, back to that whole, is this some kind of off-worlder who's hopped in here and is using his knowledge of fabrials and manipulation of investiture knowledge gained from other worlds to control what's going on here. I, I do think it's funny, more so than other episodes, 90% of what we talk about this episode will be irrelevant by next episode. Like that that's not yes. that's not usually the case. <laughs> I can usually guide the topic a little bit better than that, but I cannot this time. So we just get to go wild with our theories and then finish the book. Let's let, let, let's jump back to chapter 33 real quick. I, I have lots of other thoughts, but I, I want to touch on a few things in 33 before we keep going. Yeah. Back on our sleepless friend. This is one of my theories that I teased in, in last episode. 
Ma- Masaka or whatever her name is that's our sleepless horse. We we find that out. Big reveal. She says something interesting in the midst of that whole discussion that they're having. She she drops a line that says, "Oh me, I just came here to hide." I I paused on that sentence. Hide from what? The sleepless, as far as we know, as far as I know, are pretty powerful. Really powerful. Among the most powerful beings that we know of. What what else is happening in the Cosmere at this time that causes a sleepless to think, ooh, I got to get out of here and go find a backwater planet to go hide on. My theory is not very specific, but it is that whatever this sleepless is hiding from is going to happen in Stormlight 5. Yeah. Something is going to happen, probably at the end of Stormlight 5, that is going to be Cosmere implicating devastating event. Such that a sleepless, wherever she was, decided, oh, I'm out of here, and goes to hide on this planet. So I think, like, like we, you were talking about timeline before, how this probably happens maybe shortly-ish after Stormlight 5. I think that, that could be our link, is something that Masaka is hiding from. I think you might be right. I like that a lot more than, than my thoughts, actually. I was... I didn't necessarily think that Masaka was maybe lying, but I thought of the potential of mm. uh, of the implication it has on this story right now that we're looking at, like zoomed into Yumi mm. and the Nightmare Painter, that if she's lying, there may be some ulterior motive. I, I don't fully believe that because I feel like we've seen that before, right? We've read Dawn Shard and there's kind of the incognito sleepless in the crew. Um, who has an ulterior motive kind of thing. So I don't think that's necessarily the, the case. But I am, I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled by this. I, I would also fully believe, to throw another idea out there, I would also fully believe that there are simply a diverse cast of Sleepless and a diverse, you know, characters with different points of view in the sleepless we've seen sure. that with all of our other characters all of our other like yep. races and characters right with the humans with the Parshendi, you name it we've we've seen some different characters so it could literally be like um kind of a deserter sleepless who who is just trying to hide which i don't know how you could hide from the sleepless i agree with you i really don't know so that that part's beyond me, but but I could see that being possible. I do think you're on something there, Paul. We we saw in Dawn Shard, the Sleepless don't vote unanimously on what the t- what mm-hmm. to do with the crew. They have the discussion of should we stop these guys? Should we let them get to the island? Blah blah blah. That like th- there's a there's a civilization there that they have disagreements and stuff like that. And as far as what Masika could be hiding from. I think you could even just simplify it as maybe in Stormlight 5, our heroes win and then just decide to do something that the Sleepless don't agree with. Um, I, I think it could be something as simple sure. as that. Of 
maybe our heroes decide, oh, we're going to start using the Dawn Shards. And then the Sleepless are like, nope. And then they leave. Like, th that could be totally feasible. It wouldn't have to be like this huge catastrophic event. It could just be something that the Sleepless are like, we don't agree with you. We're no longer going to be here. You're going to blow up your planet on accident. Ready for another theory? Of course. We're just going oh, yeah. to keep them coming thick and fast. So the reveal in this chapter, in addition to Sleepless, is these solid walls of investiture, which we've already talked a little bit about, where there's these barriers that our, our Sleepless friend cannot get through. So there's sections of the planet she has not been able to explore. This reminded me of the like death rattles, for lack of a better term. Um, early on, I believe it's chapter five, we get a few, I think Painter's just kind of talking through the history of stuff and is talking about the, the fragments of knowledge that they have back to the time of when the Shroud first came. And it's, you know, some creepy stuff like, oh, it's it's coming for me. It's going to, the darkness is going to get me. One of those ancient sayings is this. It creeps under the barrier. It knows I am here. That word barrier is what I remembered back to. Almost as if, what if that's what these walls are? Was a barrier put up originally to try and keep out the shroud. What if the shroud was happening? Again, I'm, I'm, I still think of this as like Mount Vesuvius erupting and just kind of taking over the planet. Yeah. What if somebody who's really powerful threw up these solid barriers around the towns that they were in and was able to create this barrier? But then some people still kind of got eaten by the shroud investiture because it got under the barrier or something like that i'm not sure that these are related but it kind of popped into my mind it, it would take some of our theories about all this a different direction of maybe behind the barriers are just the matrix and it's a bunch of illusions what if it's real or maybe it started that way as an actual protection physical protection against the shroud yeah maybe it Maybe they were originally walls to keep Yumi's yeah. people, the nightmares, out of the cities. And mm -hmm. then the investiture just kind of absorbed itself onto them. Yeah. Or the off-worlders came in and decided to take control of things. And yeah. it went from there. One more, Chapter 33, I'm while we're blazing through that. Did you guys catch the side note? And I... I think this is important. Yumi's favorite TV show. Like three episodes ago, I don't know, seven or eight chapters, nine. It had a sad ending. Do you remember that? Yep. She's watching the TV show and the hero goes to the the, the princess or whatever. It's like, I must leave. And then walks off into the sunset. And Yumi's all upset. Like, why did it have to be so sad? We find out in this chapter that there was a surprise extra episode for the TV show where the hero comes back and the show actually has a happy ending. I wonder if this is foreshadowing for our story that we're reading. 
in where we're at in the book right now through chapter 37, things are looking pretty bleak. Yeah. Really, really bleak. As if our hero left and walked into the sunset. What, what if the TV show is a analogy? No. What's the word? Allegory? Yeah. Allegory for our story. And we're about to get a surprise ending. Okay. My, as you're saying that, my brain was like, okay, what would that look like? Here's the first crazy thing that pops into my brain. What if the nightmares win mm -hmm. and turn everybody else into nightmares? People think that pe people are killed by nightmares, but that's not really what happens. What if they get pulled into the shroud and become cognitive shadows? And then Yumi and Nakaro live happily ever after in the Matrix. Yeah. I at this point I would not vote against it. Because I, I, I could I could see that happening of like the nightmares rampage through the city, dragging people away, and then they just, you know, live their life in the shroud like everybody else has. They'd have to have altered memories, I guess, though. Yeah, well, maybe. It'd get confusing more than it already is. Because Leun is actually the one that brings this up. Leun talks to Nakaro and says, do you remember the story of the slaughtered city? I don't, I don't remember what the name of the city is. Um, and Nakaro's like, oh, well, yeah, everybody died. And we just thought it was because, uh, you know, the, the, um, the dream watch failed or whatever. But Leun is of the implication of like, no, that was a deliberate attack because the veil had been torn. People were beginning to understand what was happening. Um, yeah, so I, I wonder if people are just of the assumption that people die from nightmares, but really they're just pulled into the shroud and then their memories swapped with you live happily ever after in this prehistoric town with floating trees. Yeah. I don't know. I I honestly could see that. I feel I don't I don't really have anything else to add other than I feel like that could that's right. Like that that feels correct to me. I could very well see that happening. Kind of like a mass brainwashing. Right. I don't know how I would feel about that if we read next week and that is the case. I don't know if that mm -hmm. will be, be a satisfying ending to me. Yeah. But I could you're right. I could see that happening, I guess. We would have to know a further motivation for why someone would be brainwashing people like that, wiping memories. Right. There'd have to be some other incentive. And I don't know that there's time to really dive into all of that in the rest of the book. So in that case, may, maybe not so. But you know. Mm -hmm. With uh with chapter thirty four. I want to go back on our or re reel it in a little bit and go off the text a little bit more. Um, Wanji, one of Yumi's assistant Yokihijo uh, ladies, mentions that the scholars that are there, which we know later are like nightmares that are self-aware with the machine or whatever. Um, these scholars are not like other scholars that Huanji has seen. So I wonder if the amount of 
So, so I wonder if like these self-aware nightmares are keeping everybody trapped here. Um, but I don't know. It's so hard in this episode to talk about one thing because then your brain immediately like, well, that would mean this and that would mean this. And then you kind of just go off on this random tangent in your head and you don't know what to talk about. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The, the scholar bit of information was helpful, was helpful and confusing at the same time. Because it's almost like there are people that are scholars in this potentially fake world who are helpful and just come around and help them grow their crops better, I think is what Juanji says. So so that almost sets up this scenario where, yes, these, these nightmares or off-worlders or whatever they are, are coming in and pretending to be scholars yeah. so that they can operate their machine in the vicinity of Yumi specifically, so that they can get a control on a situation that's getting out of their control. And the whole scene where they try to confront them and break the machine is just so trippy. Yeah. It's so bizarre that as soon as Painter stands up, Painter in Yumi's body stands up there and says, We're here to break your machine and the scholar gets up and says oh little boy you have no idea what you're getting into it was just like what and it just it just goes from there and it's I, i've read it three or four times now and i still don't think i understand what happens in this scene the okay um i just want to put a pause there real quick and say michael kramer does a fabulous job in this scene he, be he begins the scene with like normal voices of normal people. And then as the veil is torn and people start like morphing into nightmares, his voice gets like gravelly and dark and like, like a wolf. Like, Oh man, it it's, it's so it like, and he morphs it too. It's not like a, a switch as he's going through dialogue. He like drops his voice. It's like, I'm afraid. So that blah, blah. like he does such a good job. And this this was one of the moments where I'm so glad. I think whenever you read Stormlight, I a lot of times wish I was looking at the page to see all the capitalized words. Mm. Um, but this was a moment I was so glad to be listening to the audiobook because Trevor, Trevor, you said it. Michael Kramer just does a, such a fantastic job um, reading this and conveying this and, and just giving me like a vivid picture as as I'm going through this. So. Um, just an absolute 10 out of 10. I even, I related with Painter a little bit in this scene because as soon as that happens where the lead scholar just like starts laughing at him and saying, you have no idea what's going on here. He, he even <laughs> just straight up asked him, he's like, what do you think is going on here? And Painter's like, well, um, different dimensions that overlap somehow and we're existing in the same place, but we can't interact with each other. And the, the, the scholar answers back in this, what I read as absolutely condescending tone of, oh, that's an excellent theory. Like, I feel like I'm being mocked here in that I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. And these scholars are like, hmm, oh, yes, that's a that's a great idea. That, that could definitely be what's going on here. You have no idea what's going on here. Like yeah. they're speaking to me as a reader here in this moment. 
feel like this book is the most fourth wall breaking that we've ever read, and it's not close. Like, there's times that Hoyd talks to like specifically me as a reader. Like, I I feel I feel like that, or the characters are just straight up telling you, I have no idea what's going on. Like, <laughs> and we get to this moment. Trevor, you have this in the outline. I want to I want to go ahead and read this because th- this is the moment that I've read it four times now and I don't know what the heck it's talking about. Yeah. L- let me let me just read this paragraph. All along, Painter asked, Hained, were they just puppets, nightmares with no thoughts? No. The machine let them be themselves the lead scholar said, his face distorted, making a shifting wisp of smoke, still wearing goggles, oddly. It's what happens when it needs us. It's hard, though, to walk the line between the memory of what we were and the reality of what we have become. They have to be kept from understanding their natures. Otherwise, there are complications. And then Leun turns into the nightmare and things go downhill. But like, I've read those three sentences five times now, and I still don't know what to make of them. Just as a side note, really funny to hear you calmly tray those sentences and say that dialogue, because Michael Kramer, the intensity level that he is at at that point in the scene is at 100. He is so yeah. aggressive and so, like, the, 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 yeah, anyway. It's it's really funny to hear the dichotomy between how aggressively Michael yeah. Kramer uh, sends that dialogue. Yes, I have no idea. Let the machine the machine lets them be themselves, which would imply that the machine assists in them not being nightmares but being people. So they were people once. Like this is the those are those questions at the beginning of the episode that I couldn't contain myself i just had to get out there like so were, were these people originally and have since become nightmares but the machine assists them in still being and still living their lives it's almost like is the is the machine what's creating the illusion the matrix right if you will it's it's the machine that's doing something investiture powered i'm sure to give everyone this joint hallucination to walk the line between the memory of what we were the people assumedly and the reality of what we have become the nightmares assumedly but and then he's like there where they have to be kept from understanding their natures otherwise there are complications so it's almost like they're trying to make make sure all these people don't realize that they're nightmares, don't realize that they are cognitive shadows. They have to all think that they are people. Otherwise, there are complications, which I assume by complications, it just means whatever we need them all to do, they won't do if they realize that they're nightmares. Not even sure what to do with all that information. I mean, it, it almost makes me think that the machine is more benevolent because if complications could to me mean 
they wander into the cities and get painted out of existence as mm -hmm. unstable nightmares. And they're trying to preserve mm -hmm. them here. Like... I had that thought too, Trevor. Uh, I was thinking about that, but I honestly think... Like, I had that thought and I got there with the same logic you're thinking, but... I just can't imagine that being correct. I think yeah. there's there's obviously I'm sure there's going to be some other piece of information added, and then we'll be like, oh, haha, we were silly for thinking that, or maybe it is true. Um, given the context of the whole story thus far, and, and the spirits that we've had saying, you know, please save us, destroy the machine, all this stuff. Unless uh, it's going to have to really turn on its head for that to be true and how our story ends, I think. And so I would, I, I would honestly, I'd be down for that. I think that'd be crazy. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but I, just, I don't think that's where the, our story is going to go. Yeah. I, I also don't think that's where it's going. But the one thing that makes me hesitate, or a big thing that makes me hesitate, is if that is the case, then why are the spirits mad at it? Why are the spirits trapped, asking for freedom? Why is the why is the quest stop the machine? Because we got that we got the definitive request from the spirits last episode: stop the machine. And at the time, you're thinking, okay, we need to stop the machine from summoning spirits. Now, it's like, okay, we need to stop the machine. From what? Keeping them people? Like, and making them night? Like, it just... But then are we to take this not scholar's word for what the machine does with those words, with those three sentences that you were just talking about, Elliot? Like, I I don't know. that. Obviously, we're going to find out next week. But why are the spirits against this machine if the machine is maintaining them as people and not letting them become nightmares just it continues the craziness of last episode we talked about we got 80 percent of the way through this book before we finally figured out what our quest was now we've got to 90 percent of the book and we've just been told yeah you actually have no idea what the quest is sorry <laughs> right like wait what so now we have 40 to 50 pages left of this book to Figure out who's who, what action needs to get done, and solve the whole thing all in 40 or 50 pages. Yeah, I mean, you're right. We, we By the end of this episode, we have an issue that turns out the Dreamwatch are all frauds and they're not going to help. Yeah, yeah but, that too. But maybe the nightmares aren't as evil as we thought they were. Like, because Leun... So into chapter 36, Leun is a night is the nightmare that has been become stable in Nicaro's world. Um, and Nicaro has been hunting down this whole book. That's Leun. And she has dialogue in chapter 36 with um, Nicaro telling him about, Oh yeah, we wiped out an entire city back in the day. Um, when they realize that I haven't killed you, they're going to send a hundred nightmares to come attack. Um, so I, I don't even know where to begin with that. Are we, 
are we about to have a full-on battle but are these nightmares people or are they are are they actually evil spirits what what, what is going are all the nightmares people or because part of me wants to think all these unstable nightmares are just like more like spread that that they kind of just wander in but then there are actual people out in the shroud that have become nightmare like um i i want I would go down the route of there's two different types of nightmares. One's like Leon, and one's like the spider that we saw three, four episodes ago um, that you can just paint out of existence and it's gone, like a spread. There's another bit of information in this chapter two, this whole Leon nightmare discussion. Painter starts to wonder if this whole thing is centered entirely around yumi yeah if it's just the whole thing is a huge charade charade to fool yumi or to keep control of her which think back to last episode where design whipped out her fancy fabriel and was like yumi you are so much freaking investiture that this entire planet should be scared of you what maybe, if that's exactly what this is? Maybe you'll explode is, when you die. Yes. May, maybe you'll explode like you die, which I almost thought that might be a reference to like a shard. Yeah. Like you're, are, are you shard level of investor such that you, you splinter when you die? Ooh. But the, uh, go for it. Okay. Is Yumi the vessel and doesn't know it? I wonder about that too. That did pop into my mind. If if we hadn't been specifically told that virtuosity splintered herself, yeah, I'd be all over that. But but how would that how would that work if virtuosity is splintered and Yumi's still the vessel? Or ooh, yeah. What if maybe? What if virtuosity splintered? Yumi was the vessel. Yumi becomes an incredibly powerful cognitive shadow such that they're like, oh, dude, we got to control this thing or it's just going to rampage and destroy this whole planet. Quick, code up the Matrix so we can plug her in and keep control of her. Is Yumi the nightmare that can tear the planet apart if they don't keep her in check? Mm Mm-hmm. What if? I mean, that would be... That would be crazy, right? I mean, right. It, I I don't know what to think. If Yumi was the 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 nightmare, like if she was the vessel that turned into a cognitive shadow, has so much investiture that she cannot control it, so that they make up this whole thing just to keep Yumi in the shroud, or like. Yumi is the shroud. I mean, it just it gets weird fast. <laughs> I, I like that one. Yeah, I think Yumi is the shroud. So, you know, design tells us that Yumi is like bursting at the seams with investiture, effectively, right? But like, do we do we actually have like a frame of reference of how invested she is, or is it just wow, you're so invested? Ambiguous statement. So the way I interpreted that was 
Well, and that's with the context of these chapters is you're a cognitive shadow and you just don't know it. Like you're, you're just made of investiture. You're, you're not a person anymore. You, you look more like a spren than a person on the spirit web. That's how I interpreted it, which the fact that she kind of melts away into a nightmare in chapter 34 here answers is where I got that was, I guess she's just more spirit like than she thought. But again, I, I don't know what's going on with the spirits and why they want to stop the machine. That's, that's my biggest question um, on why this needs to be stopped. If it's all to keep the nightmares in check. Another theory that, maybe plays into this and it's the other one that i wanted to get into last episode and and couldn't because i wanted to wait spirits want us to destroy the machine we don't know why we can't figure that out liyun is the nightmare okay liyun is the nightmare we saw way back in the beginning before painter even knew who yumi was right and recently We've gotten a, we, we got the reveal that Li Yun was after Yumi. Yeah. Li Yun kept coming after Yumi to attack her or take her back to the other world or whatever. Why then did Li Yun encounter Painter? And think about that scene even more. Painter encounters Li Yun in the city feeding on people in a sort of semi-stable state. Painter successfully drives her off, and then as he's going back to his apartment, or when he gets there, that's the moment where he gets linked with Yumi. Right. Immediately, immediately following his encounter with Li Yun. What if Li Yun orchestrated this? What if Li Yun finds Painter and the, the Li Yun part of her comes through and says, this is someone who can stand up to me. This is a hero. I need to link him to Yumi to save the spirits. Or, and somehow, or Li Yun is the one saying, free us. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I don't know quite where to go with that, but the fact that Liyun and Painter interacted before Yumi was even in the picture seems important to me. Yeah. You guys want to talk about uh, Yumi's nightmare that she has while she's sleeping? This is post. Oh big, yeah. Big reveal scene. She goes to. She's got her day, her reset day, that goes normal, and then she has a nightmare and like a like a dream and she hears like, Oh, we should just reset all of her memories instead of just this one. Um, which I, you know, the readers meant to assume that it's these scholars tampering with her spirit web, her, her, mm -hmm. her mind. Um, and then she wakes up and everybody's gone, which would imply that all of the people our nightmare is going to attack Nicaro city. That's where I went with that. Um, Cause she wakes up and the Same. entire village is gone. So that I, I interpreted that as 
they've all left to go attack Nakaro City, which is what we're setting up for it for next episode. Um, but it's interesting that she is now aware enough to hear the scholars messing with her. And that scene when she wakes up, though, is the scene where Li Yun appears, is super confused because her memories are really getting messed with, but she does manage to deliver something to Yumi. Yeah. And Trevor, yeah. I think it was you. It was me. You you called this. You you nailed this, didn't you? The delivery I, that Leon makes. I thought it'd be the other way around, but yes. The the delivery that Leon makes is the painting that Yumi did of her and Painter at the carnival that Painter gives to Yumi in the scene we were just talking about. And the last thing we see of Yumi is, and she remembered. Mem- memories flooded her. And end of sentence. End of... Yep, and that's the last we hear of Yumi for the episode. Yep. Yep. Yes, I I did I did kind of get this. I I flipped it though. I said that when they get disconnected, that painter will find this or Nikara will find this painting, and it will give him the inspiration to get to Yumi. I was mm-hmm. wrong in that he already has that. He doesn't need the painting, but the painting is essential. For Yumi to remember, and now Yumi remembers yep. and is going to try to get to Painter. So now they are both aware on both sides of the curtain, uh, presumably. But y- Yumi still has to break free of the influence of the machine, right? Which is, I'm assuming, what the scholars are talking about while Yumi is like semi coherent. They they talk about well. We don't have we don't have enough power to erase all her memories, and that would kind of mess with her. So we're just gonna keep keep trying what we're doing. So she's got to get away from them. She's got to get away from the machine, get to Painter. But if all she is is a nightmare to begin with, like, then what? Right. Then what? And then Nakaro paints her into Yumi. Oh. And she becomes Yumi. Ooh. Remembers her old self. Wow. Yeah, but what if he does that and then he kind of like, I don't know. He's drawing the nose and he kind of messes up, you know, makes a little blob, you know. <laughs> like what? <laughs> no. Well, what, if he, what if he makes a little mistake and then Yumi comes out with like very lopsided arms or something, you know, something ridiculous. We get depressed Nakaro as opposed to inspired Nakaro and she's just <laughs> No no no. Yeah. Um what my actual prediction. It's been well established that Yumi has such a strong perception of herself that yes. um when she comes out of the shroud, she will be able to recover her own body and her old self. Um that's how that's how strong she is. Um because when she's in Nakaro's body, she still perceives herself as herself and morphs hers, morphs his body into hers. So even, let's say she breaks free of the scholars, she heads towards Painter's Town, breaks out of the shroud as a nightmare, but she's so aware of herself. She's still, she's so 
has such a strong perception and so much investiture that she can overwhelm the nightmare aspect of her and create herself as Yumi? Correct. Okay. And then they hold hands at the end of the book. Like the painting. Yeah. I've got Brandon read yeah. like a book. This one I am confident on. <laughs> unlike the other one that I was also confident on that was absolutely not true. I still like the painting though. What mm. a beautiful end of the story that would be if maybe maybe the combination of the two of them. Oh no, Nicaro paints her on the mural that he's whitewashed on the oh. on the westward face because his his empty wall is facing west and this episode we got oh yeah your town is west because that's the way she runs finds the other yokohijo in the in the shroud they it specifically says they run past nicaro's whitewashed wall so he next chapter chapter 38 nicaro is going to paint this masterpiece of yumi on the wall and all the nightmares are going to show up and be like oh i know who that is and they're all going to be saved you think that happens in chapter 38? Yes. And it is, is the rest of the chapters the happily ever after? Yes. I like it. Because all the, all, the, like all the nightmares have to, and we just proved it in this episode, all the nightmares have to do is see something that they're like, oh, I remember this, and that, and that flips their, the, the day that keeps getting yeah. erased for them. So Nicaro, all he has to do is paint Yumi, and then all, all the nightmares come out of the shroud, all like ready to kill or whatever. See this huge masterpiece of Yumi in front of them that's like twenty feet tall, and they're like, "Oh, I'm not a nightmare. I'm a person." Happily ever after. All right, end recording. I'm gonna go read because I gotta know. <laughs> I gotta know if that happens next. Ah, uh, no, you you people who are listening, I have not read ahead. I am. I'm just that accurate. Mm-hmm. We, we will yeah. find out shortly. No, I, I, I've, or, always, I've always felt like that mural should still be the star. That he should finish his star p- painting. Because he originally painted the star and then covered it up. So I, I've always felt like he should repaint the star. But I think, I think we were meant to think that. But then that won't be true. Like, like so many other things. The whole star thing was a, a red herring. The entire star thing was a red herring, including that mural. Hmm. I, I like your idea way better. The other, uh, the other bit of chapter thirty-seven that you mentioned briefly, Trevor, is the dream watch. Yes, we get to actually meet the the dream watch. Painter meets his heroes. Yeah, and uh, disappointing. Never meet your heroes. Yeah. So th- this one. I think I actually could have predicted. I I never, I I don't get credit for it now because I didn't say it earlier. But um, when Nicar, when we get the reveal that Nicaro is an actual genius and doesn't get accepted to the Dream Watch, I think I could have predicted that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and that's what that I think they say that in the Dream for the Dream Watch that oh yeah, that's the mayor's daughter, that's the you know the fire chief's son, like everybody's here because of favors and there just wasn't enough room for you. Um, yeah, you're, you were great on your test. Sorry. We gave it to the mayor's daughter instead of you. Um, which, you know, 
I, I don't know if I'm like super disappointed in in that as a as a story reveal because that does happen in like two gifted people in the world. Like there are people who are way more qualified for you know this position and you lose it to someone who is friend of a friend of a friend. Um so I, I don't know. Like I, I might be kind of disappointed in that because from a story perspective. But also that might be intentional because it's like that's frustrating from Nicaro's perspective, which he hasn't really coped with that yet. He we just got that reveal and he's hasn't really come to grips with that. Um that his whole life that his whole life dream that he was told he could achieve was never achievable. Um but yeah, anyway. It does change how I think about Painter's story. And I think it's meant to. It was, you know, up until now, it's been Painter was gifted, Painter had a dream, but he failed and hid it from his friends right. and ruined their lives. The reality is not that. He didn't fail. He, the system was against him. That The cards were, were stacked against him. He could not have succeeded. And so while we still have the pain of the lie, of the deception, and his relationship with his friends, this, this changes it from Painter's perspective in that He's no longer a failure, right? Which I'm, yes, I'm very curious to see how that's going to affect him mentally, right? Does that maybe give him some confidence back that I didn't fail? No, I really am worthy of the dream watch. I just didn't get in because of politics. Yeah. Anything else, gentlemen? Probably. But my brains are so scrambled at this point that I I think we've touched on everything I wanted to talk about. But oof, what a set of chapters! I'm I'm super excited to to finish off this book. I really am. I guess I mean as we've talked about, there's so there's a lot of ways this could go. Um. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Um. Real quick. From each of you, and I will join. Predictions. Give me a prediction. Is this a happy ending? How do they reunite? We'll we'll leave it. We'll leave it at those two. Is this does this is this a happy ending? And if it is, how do they reunite? What happens? I I think it is a happy ending. Yeah. And I don't know how specific I can get without it being debunked right away. I, I think it, they're going to reunite because Yumi will remember, will, will regain her memory, at least to uh, a notable extent. And since she is so high in investiture, she will figure something out. I <laughs> I don't, I don't know exactly what she will do, but something with, you know, just how highly invested that we know her to be. I feel like we haven't seen that really come out to to a large extent. And so I think that's going to be kind of our Sander Lynch, if you will, is some kind of major reveal of power that Yumi has. Um, and that's what will be what re reunites. It may it may be the power of capital C connection somehow, some way. 
um, and she literally just reconnects them or something. Uh, but that that's my guess as to how they're going to reunite. I think this book is a love story, which I think kind of by definition means we have to have a happy ending. That said, I could see it being not the hap happy ending necessarily that we expect. I don't know that it will necessarily be a, and they lived happily ever after. I think we could get a more like Romeo and Juliet ending where they both die together saving the world. Okay. Kind of thing. That's not really Romeo and Juliet. So that was a terrible reference to try and make, but a, a not so like fairy tale ending necessarily, but one that is a positive or happy overall. Hopefully you're getting the vibe of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So that said, I think we've got some major mysteries that still have to be solved here. What the heck is that machine actually doing? Is Are they all truly nightmares? Can they become people? Is everyone just going to become cognitive shadows? We have an entire planet full of cognitive shadows at the end of this. I don't know. Maybe. Are there factories in the basement of Painter City that are extracting Heon from humans and sending it out to power the world. Yes. Clinging on to that one. Eh? Yes, there are. <laughs> and there we go. That's our unsilver lining, black lining. I don't know. The, the, the weird, scary. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. The, the weird negative spin to our, our happy ending. Yeah, something like that. All right. Here's what's going to happen. Yumi has just woken up and remembered there's no one in the town. They are not worried about her because they assume that she's goody two-shoes Yokihijo, not going to mess with anything. They have left the machine unattended, as far as I know, right? I, th I think everybody's gone and they are assaulting Nikaro's city as we speak. She's going to break the machine which will destroy her world will like collapse on itself and she will find herself in the middle of the shroud. That's what's going to happen. Then I'm not sure if I'm not sure how she figures out which way Nakaro is, or maybe she already does know that because of the map, but then Nakaro and Yumi will stack towards each other and unite that way by separating the shroud. So both of them will, both of them, you know, Yumi's going to work a lot faster than Takaro because she's been doing this whole, her whole life. But Nakaro, as we've seen, is capable of stacking. And because he's got the motivation now, he will be able to successfully stack and they will stack towards each other. I, I don't know if I have a prediction, an actual prediction for the nightmare attack. I, it has to do with the mural. I don't know what Nakaro's gonna paint. Maybe just a big bamboo stock. Are, are you bailing on your paints paints Yumi theory? I I love I, that one. I mean, it's it's yeah, you know, I'll, I'll send it. Yes, uh, he he will paint a masterpiece of Yumi, and that'll that'll wake up the the sheeple, um, of of Yumi's people. And no, there are not 
human crunching factories for helium mines under Nakara City. You heard it here first. There absolutely are. It's a conspiracy, man. <laughs> I mean, if we ever get Yumi and the Nightmare Painter 2, we might uh, we might get that revealed then. But I don't think we're getting it in the four chapters that remain. Tell me where they're getting all that Heon, then. Answer me that. I don't know if I can. I don't know. We, we, we don't have an answer for where the Heon lines bes- are besides in people. We have had that explicitly said, so I don't know. We, we've already... We've already compared this story to the Matrix like three or four times. We just got to go all in. They're they're farming humans yep. to create Heon lines. They've got this whole illusion world going on. Yep, it's thing. We we have 160 episodes of proof that Elliot's theories can be quite spot on. So maybe I should not discount you because this is the first time that I've experienced a Elliot theory that I didn't know the explicit answer to. So. Let's, uh, I, let's keep going. I, I like yours so much better. The, the picture you just painted, I think, is a phenomenal next step for the story. I so badly want to go read these chapters right now and go see if you're right. Anything else, gentlemen? That's it for me. All right. Let's finish the book. Reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. See ya. See you next week.